Hello and welcome to Find Your Fire with John V. Denley. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode number four. And this is one's all about habits. And it follows on a little bit from last week's episode about memories. We all have good habits and we all have bad habits. I prefer to call them as helpful and unhelpful habits. And we also have a whole bunch of unconscious habits um, that we possibly don't even know we have. And during this episode of the podcast, I want to help you to understand how you can change your habits to either replace bad habits or create new habits. And in fact, in replacing old uh, unhelpful habits, uh, what you really want to do is you want to replace it with a better habit or a more helpful habit. That's, uh, and that's the technique that I'm going to teach you a little bit later in this pod- podcast, or at least to help you to understand how that can happen and how you can do that for yourselves. Um, I had a, um, a habit that I created in myself uh, a while ago. Uh, I used to live in a flat which had a bit of a damp problem, and we were trying to control that. And part of that controlling was that every time I had a shower in the morning, I would use a, a vacuum squeegee to scrape all the, the sides of the walls of the, the shower down to make sure that there wasn't any lingering damp in the flat after I had a shower every day. Um, and I was doing that for several months without even thinking about it. And then one day I was running late for a, an appointment and I was rushing through my shower, had a really quick shower and I jumped out and I thought, I'm not gonna bother with the, the squeegeeing of the shower today. Um, but as I reached the door to leave the house, I thought, oh, you know what? I'm gonna feel really bad if I don't do that. And I had to go back and finish it. And so quite clearly there was um, a, a habit had built up in me that this, this squeegee thing needed to be done in my shower every day. Otherwise uh, I would feel bad about it. And so I'd got into a habit clearly uh, of doing that process um, at that point. Now they talk about um, it's 21 days to form a habit. Um, personally, I think it's actually probably more down to the amount of times that you do the habit um, and, and how often you override it. So that 21 days might be for something that you do on a daily basis and you've done some other habit to replace it for 21 days and then it becomes the new habit embeds and replaces the old habit. Um, there's some debate about that. Uh, some people talk about 60 days to embed a habit. Um, but essentially, really, though, what it is is that you need to do the new habit uh, for long enough that at some point it feels odd to not do the habit anymore. Um, so a friend of mine, Paul O'Mahony, was talking a few weeks ago about how he got into a habit of going out for a run. And I can't remember the details of it, but I think it was running for 10 minutes every morning or every day, I think it was actually. Um, and then he got to a point where he decided that he didn't want to do the run one day and he felt uncomfortable with not doing it. Um, and then he realized that he was actually doing the conscious, the habit unconsciously so that it became such a such a, a, a daily habit of his uh, that he couldn't even really remember doing it. I think that was the, the, the conclusion it was. I can't remember the details anyway, but it was, it was along those lines. So anyway, so we've talked about um, what can be good habits and what can be bad habits. Unconscious habits, um, these are kind of fun ones because we, a lot of us don't even know we're doing them and it can be fun to, to think about them and challenge ourselves to maybe do some different habits. Um, so this is a little bit of an activity for you. So if you're driving, obviously, um, perhaps don't do the actual physical activities uh, or pull over and, and have a little go at them. Um, but let's start with a very simple one. When you're putting your socks on in the morning, which sock do you put on first? Have a little thing about that. 
Um, now, obviously, in the UK at the moment, it's pretty hot. Uh, so we might not be, many of us, many putting socks on most days, but maybe putting your shoes on. Which shoe do you put on first? Um, or which, um, which leg do you put on with your trousers or your, your underwear, for example? Which, which one of those do you put on first? Um, because you will have a dominant uh, leg that you do all these things with. Another one I thought of while I was sitting here planning this was um, when you go upstairs, which foot do you start with? Uh, and when you go downstairs, which foot do you start with as well? Is it a different foot or is it the same foot? Um, I find sometimes when I, when I used to go to the gym a lot, when I, had, um, I was doing some recovery from an operation I had on my knee, and, uh, and we had to do step-ups a lot. And I always found it really difficult to do my, um, I think it was my right leg first rather than my left leg. Um, and it was quite interesting because it was my right leg that I had the operation on. Um, and I found after a little while that I was favoring one leg over the other. And uh, so it was quite an interesting kind of dichotomy that uh, I think my favored leg was my right leg, but because that was one I had operation on, it was difficult for me to step up with that leg first. And the whole thing became quite uncomfortable. So here's a couple of um, exercises for you to do. I'm sure many of you have done the, the crossed arms exercise. So if you just sat and crossed your arms now in front of you, uh, you'll find that one arm is on top of the other one. Um, and if you then try and uncross your arms and then cross them the other way around so that the other hand is on top, you'll find that probably quite difficult if you've not done this exercise before. I've done this exercise loads of times now, so I actually find it quite easy to, uh, to switch which hand's on top, but I still have a dominant hand. Um, and so uh, whenever I cross my hands, I, I think, yes, that's it, my left hand is always on top. Um, but I, I find it quite easy to cross my hands with my right hand on top if I wanted to, if I chose to do that. Um, the other one though that most people haven't tried to do, and this is, this is actually a slightly harder one I find that um, um, to, to practice uh, doing it something differently of course, is if you raise your hands either side of you, um, at, you know, directly outside of you, and then bring them together in front of you, and then cross your fingers um, so that they're interlocking, and have a look at which, which thumb is on top. Uh, for me, it's my left thumb, and which finger is uh, on the bottom. So for me, it's my, my little finger is on the bottom. Um, and if you then take your hands apart again, and then put them together, and do it again, and just check to say you did the same thing again, and then try and do it the other way around. Sometimes what you'll find is that you can get the thumb right, but you'll find that the little finger on the bottom is still the old way around. Um, so you've just literally put your fingers together and then swapped your thumbs around on top. Um, good one to practice uh, and play around with um, because it's kind of fun to sort of see what's going on um, with that particular little unconscious habit. Um, when I'm doing my workshops, I'll also show um, me doing a Rubik's Cube because I can, I can do the Rubik's Cube and I can do it in about 90 seconds fairly consistently now. And most of that, once I know what the moves are, I can unconsciously go through the moves and just repeat them while I'm still talking to people in front of me. Um, and if anybody's ever seen me doing that, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but that, of course, that's come through many, many, many years of repetition of those moves and doing them so many times that I know exactly what I'm doing. And I don't even have to look at the cube anymore. I can do them unconsciously, a little bit like changing the gears in the car um, and you can, you can drive to a place. Uh, and of course, we'll, I'm sure any of the drivers amongst us will have experienced that moment when we've driven to a location and forgotten the journey or not even really quite remembered the journey that we've done on the way. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the podcast last week, um, but part of that is our brain selectively choosing which memories that it needs to remember. So if you've driven the same route many, many times to work, for example, or home or whatever it is, 
Um, and then one time you do it two days in a row and it's a very, very similar journey. Um, but you were thinking about something else. Your brain kind of just didn't bother to, to record it because it just says, well, it's the same as the drive we did yesterday. So I can just use the memories from yesterday. I don't need to waste any space remembering the memories from today. Um, so that's a little bit about the backgrounds of memories. What I want to move on to now is how you can replace a memory. Uh, sorry, a, um, huh, I may have said memories then. Habits is what I meant, of course. Uh, last week's podcast was about memories. Go and listen to that if you want to know a little bit more about your memories. Um, and how they're formed, although we're going to cover a little bit of that in a moment as well. Um, if uh, So what I want, to, want you to think about is when you've, when you've created a habit, it's, it's something that you've, it's a, it's a process that you've repeated multiple times uh, over, your, over your lifetime. So often when I'm doing my mindful walks, um, if you imagine you're walking along a path on, on, across a field, and there have been lots of other people who walked along the same path, um, you can imagine that there'll be a, a, a worn bit through the middle of the grass um, on the field where everybody else has walked. Um, and if it was a, a particularly grassy field, you might find that if you were to walk off that path and go a different route to the corner of the field, for example, it might be quite difficult because all the long grass is in the way. And, and you'd have to walk through and sort of hack through all the, the long grass to get the, the new route that you want to, to walk. Um, but of course, if enough people followed you along that same route, then eventually that would become the real path and the other one would grow up. And, uh, and so the new, the new path would become the sort of muddier, um, worn down bit and the old path would have grass growing up through it and eventually the, that would be part of the long grass. And so that's kind of what's happening with your, with your, with your habits. Your, your brain has, has repeated the task so many times that it's got itself into a routine um, and it's very hard for your brain then to change that routine. But let's take a different, slightly different example. You know how when you're walking through town sometimes and there's a little piece of grass on the corner of a building and you can see quite clearly that people have, who are going around the corner have cut across the grass close to the building um, and so that rather than walking all the way along the path, people just say, well, I, I'm not going to bother that. I'm just going to walk across the grass and, and save myself a little bit of time. And over time, that little cut through um, will become a sort of muddy um, uh, path, I suppose. Um, obviously, in today's UK weather, it would be a nice, solid mud path. Um, but of course, in the winter, when it rains, it becomes a really muddy mud path. Um, now, obviously, the, the council then have a choice at that point, or the owners of the land have a choice at that point, as to whether or not they're going to accept the fact that everybody's going to walk along that path anyway, and then just concrete over the path that everybody's walking anyway just rather than leaving it as a muddy path. And um, so that's one solution is just to say, well, you know what, I'm going to accept this habit. This is fine. This, this habit is okay. I'm just going to um, concrete it over and allow people to walk on it. But what they could also do is they could put up a sign that says, do not walk on the grass. Now, you and I all know that uh, some people will listen to the sign and will walk around the outside, but probably quite a lot of people will just ignore the sign, especially if there's nobody else standing around and there's no cameras, for instance. They're not, if they think they're not going to be caught, they're probably just going to cut across the grass. Um, and so over time, the council are going, huh, hang on a minute, the sign's not working. So what we'll do is we'll put up a little one-foot fence around the side of this grass to stop people from walking across the grass. Um, and that'll stop a few more people, so there'll be less people that, that jump over the fence and cut the corner off. But there'll be still some rebels who will uh, who'll jump over the fence and cut across the grass and, um, and still use the shortcut. So then what the council can do, of course, is put a bigger fence. Um, across that corner 
Uh, and so long as they've made it more than probably two feet, maybe three feet, um, it then becomes inconvenient enough for people to not bother going over the fence, but then they'll go around the fence. Um, of course, it depends on the, the situation because if, you're, if you've got a big field and you've got a fence there and it's only two foot high and you know you're gonna save yourself, say 10 minutes walking if you just nip across the corner of this field, then you might be think it's worth it jumping over a two foot fence, in which case, the council would then have to put up a six foot fence and maybe put some barbed wire over the top to try and stop people from climbing over the fence and taking the shortcut. Actually, an interesting anecdote on that from my personal life. When I was at Swansea University, um, we used to cut through, we, we had a, a housing uh, area up at the top of the hill uh, called Hendra Foylan, and uh, the university was down by the, by the, down by the sea. Uh, and the cut through we used to, when we were walking from the houses down into the university, we could cut through the hospital next door to the university and there was a, a fence um, between, actually there was a metal uh, fence between the hospital and the university. Uh, and there was this constant battle between, I'm not sure who it was that was closing the fence up, but I'm pretty sure it was the students that were opening the fence up. And I'm guessing that people were going in there with a car jack and they were just jacking the, the fence open so that you could crawl through and get to the other side. But of course, every so often you'd get there and somebody had jacked the, the fence back closed again and the students hadn't got down there again to open the fence up again. Um, and so it was kind of this, this constant battle. And of course, if you, were, if you were running late and you wanted to get to university, that was definitely a cut through place. You normally go that way anyway, but of course, if you found that the, the, uh, the, the, the fence was, uh, was closed down, you'd tend to then just walk around because it was a bit of a faff getting over it. And plus it was a spike metal fence. So it's a bit dangerous getting over the top and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one day I was running quite late. <laughs> again, there's a bit of a theme here, isn't there? Um, and I was going to jump over this, so I climbed over the fence, rather, I wasn't going to jump over it, obviously, I was climbing over this fence, uh, and it had been raining, so it was a bit slippery, uh, and I imagine you can probably think what's happening next. So as I was climbing over the fence, I slipped and fell onto the spike metal fence, and of course I got impaled myself on the fence, and I had to lift myself off. Sorry for those of you who are listening who are a bit squeamish. Um, it was all fine, there was, there was no blood, it was all perfectly okay, and of course I was right next to a hospital, so I just had to walk 100 yards into A&E, and and get them to, uh, to check me out and patch me up and it was all very well and fine. Um, but it's quite interesting that that shortcut was the way that we always used to go to university. Um, and there was this constant battle to try and stop us from going that way. Uh, but of course we just kept on doing it and we kept on saying, no, we're gonna go this way whether you like it or not, this is the route that we're gonna try and get to the university. Um, so that's another little sort of habit thing that happened there. And obviously that's an example of how difficult it can be to break a habit. Um, now, obviously, they could have gone to extreme lengths there and maybe made the fence higher and put some other barriers around it and some barbed wire and all this kind of stuff. But, um, but it was definitely an example of a time when uh, it was really hard to break that barrier down. So obviously, we're now getting into how you can replace those habits yourself. And of course, if you think of um, that little path that you cut across the corner as being the habit that you want to replace, um, then what you need to do, of course, is you need to force yourself to walk around the grass instead of going on the cut through. And as you can probably imagine, if you've got used to this cut through and it's really easy, the walking around the grass is gonna be really hard for you. So it's gonna be really hard to break that habit. So what you have to do, and this is where the trick comes in, is you have to either replace that habit with something new, um, something different, um, or find a more attractive reason for not doing the habit. Now obviously, so the barrier, for example, is 
um, the, the fence rather is the way of blocking the way of going around the, uh, the cut through. Um, but of course you could put an incentive there as well and you could actually just make it more attractive to walk around. I'm not quite sure what you would do. I haven't thought it through enough to be able to think about that. I suppose what you could do is you could fill that grass area up with nice pretty flowers and plants them for example so that it's actually it's like nice to look at and then it might discourage you from going through that area. So again I'm not sure how you would do that in your own habits for example to replace a habit but try and think of something that would be maybe a reward for not doing the habit every time you did it. So um, I can't think of a good example there but um, I'm sure you can think of something that would reward you for not doing the habit every time you uh, had a situation where you might do the habit. I remember a story a long time ago, I think it was Tony Robbins that told this story, uh, about one of his uh, clients who was struggling to not eat crisps while she was watching a movie. And he asked her what it was about eating the crisps that made her feel like she had to um, eat the crisps. Um, and it's a bit of a longer story than this, but the shortened version of it is that she found that the crunching of the crisps in her mouth was what was attractive about the crisps while she was watching the movie. She liked that sensation and it made her feel good. And so what Tony got her to do was replace the crisps with celery, with uh, celery rather. And so she still got the celery crunch in her mouth. So it was a, that was kind of almost the reward for replacing the habit. Um, and, but of course she's now eating celery, which is a much healthier snack than the crisps that she was eating before. And of course she was eating these crisps uh, unconsciously, so she didn't even know how many she was eating. It was just the sensation of eating them that was making her feel good. Um, so she replaced that habit with a better, more helpful habit, um, which was eating celery sticks while she was watching the movie. Um, and apparently it worked fine and uh, helped, had, the, had the desired effect, which is fantastic. So um, that is, I think, pretty much the end of the podcast for now. Um, what I wanted to talk about though, just briefly before we finish was uh, something we touched on in the last one, which is this long-term potentiation. Remember last time we talked about how the neurons in our brains um, actually form, uh, this almost calcify themselves uh, when we repeat the memories that we talked about last time? And it's the same with habits. So, And the same as with that pathway uh, analogy that I gave you before. If you repeat the habit often enough, eventually your neuropathways in your brain will calcify to the new habit rather than the old habit and it'll become easier over time. And it'll be then become your new habit instead of your old habit. And that's what we're trying to achieve here. So um, that's the end of the podcast today. Uh, just coming up to 19 minutes. Uh, it's quite nice. I want to try and keep these ones under 20 minutes if I can. Um, so feel free to get in touch and tell me about your habits and what you want to try and replace them with. Um, we now have a Facebook group, by the way. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes and you can join there where we can discuss uh, the podcast. Um, it's called uh, Find Your Fire uh, 15 Pillars Open Group. I think it's called if you want to search for it on Facebook, but there will be a link in the show notes. Um, and I'll create a website address for it at some point as well. In fact, by the time this podcast goes out, I will create a, a Facebook group, uh, sorry, a, a link on findyourfire.co.uk forward slash group. Uh, so that'll exist by the time you hear this. Um, and uh, yes, let me know in that group uh, what habits you want to try and break and what you're trying to do to, to, to break them. It'd be great to have your feedback and I'd love to hear from you as well about the to topics you might want for future podcasts. Um, anything obviously mindset related or um, some kind of positive psychology. 
uh, neuropsychology, neuroscience, anything like that that you want to hear about in the future, let me know in the group and we can chat there. Um, it's only a few of us in there right now, but hopefully it'll be a growing resource for people to discuss um, mental health, mental fitness, neuropsychology and all that kind of stuff. Okay, take care of yourselves, have a nice week, and we'll see what we have next week. I have no idea what I'm going to be talking about next week, but uh, hopefully it'll be a good one. Okay then, bye for now. Thanks for listening. I am, of course, John V. Denley, your mental fitness mentor, helping you find your fire by avoiding the negatives and staying focused on the positives. You can find me as John V. Denley on any social media platform, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube by searching for John V. Denley. That's J-O-H-N-V-D-E-N-L-E-Y. Until next time, remember to focus on the positives and keep smiling. Hi there. Because I'm hosting my podcast on anchor.fm, I've discovered that I can actually add songs to the end of my podcast. So I'm going to start doing that from now on. I'm not sure if you are able to listen to the, few, the whole song if you don't have Spotify or if you don't have Spotify Premium, um, but I think it at least gives you a, a taster of the song anyway. <clears throat> so hopefully this is a, an interesting part and of the future podcast. Um, I'll try and keep them in line with uh, the topic of the day. Um, but this one is a song called Shine from the movie The Crudes. Um, and I think it's just at the end of the movie when they've basically found their future and uh, they're heading off into the sunlight having discovered a whole new world um, and a vision of an open future without their closed minds so it's kind of relevant to um, my podcast in general rather than this one specifically so anyway um, hope you enjoy the song here it is <laughs>